In this podcast, Pam Labranchik talks to Dr. Monica Trujillo, the Chief Medical Officer and Chief Information Officer at Sona Corporation. Why did you decide to study medicine and more specifically public health medicine? Coming from a family of engineers, medicine was not my top priority. But when I actually was in school, I decided initially that I wanted to do biology because I thought it all was so interesting until I actually we studied the human body and that's when I was completely enthralled and fascinated with all the science of medicine. So I was I was convinced that this was an area that was just so wonderful to study. So that's what took me into medicine. But then while I was studying medicine, going back to why I've gone into more the public health area, well, I was studying medicine and I studied medicine in South America. So one of the big learnings was around all the big impact that the social determinants have on health and the outcome of our communities and how we as health providers need to be in sync with our community to provide a better service. Therefore, I was, again, fascinated by the area of public health and how public health focused on the bigger area of health, not just on one specific area. So that's what led me to my interest in this particular area in public health. What is the most rewarding part of being a clinician? Oh, I think for everyone, it will be different. My personal experience is the most rewarding part, I would say, is at two levels, is when you can see that you have supported someone individually in the journey to to get better, when they, you know, that problem solving, help them and be a partner in, in problem solving. But then at the system level, when you have made a change or have done an, um, an impact to improve people's lives and their well-being. And, you know, it's about those basic human rights of dignity, respect, and they feel that they're listened and heard and the community itself improves. So for me, that's the sort of the two sides of the area where I find most rewarding. How did you first get involved in the digital health space? So that's an interesting one. I went into medicine interesting about the beauty of, of medicine itself and the human body, then I was interested in the social determinants, and then my career took a twist to be interested in um, health service management as well, and so was working in health service management. And to be honest, trying to get to plan services and run health services without digital tools, I found that, coming again from a family of engineers, I find that that was really um, not ideal, and you were years behind data. So I was a big, became a big advocate of using digital tools in health and for health service delivery and for health delivery in itself. And that's, I think, how I got that first job as CMIO, as the first CMIO in Australia. And I think that all sort of came together, the love of technology, the training in, in public health and medical management came together for that role in digital health. And I have not looked back. I'm going to digress here with another question because I think it's you know really quite something. You were the first CMIO in Australia. Can you maybe step me through that, how it was decided that this position needs to be created and how long did it take? Just Yeah, yeah so that was created. And look, when I say I was the first 
CMIO, it's the first official CMIO, but, it, you know, I stand in the shoulder of informatics giants in medicine who had been working for a long time to do that medical input into into technology as well. But the the role of a, of a chief medical informatics or information officer was probably not as um, identified and it was emerging from overseas as a key part of the success in any project. And my who, you know, person who became my boss and recruited me was um, someone that I admire incredibly and a big visionary in health and saw this as a key role to bring into their project at a CMIO. Hence, um, I ended up in this job. And, and like many of other of my colleagues who end up in this job, you know, it was sort of the, the different interests, the advocacy for it, and the fact that I had some skills and, and knowledge, but really no experience because this hadn't happened in Australia for our first fully integrated digital hospital, which was St. Stephen's in Harvey Bay. So that, again, I think it was a, the bringing together someone that was a chief executive who was visionary, the right time and the right place, to be honest. What do you think has led to the rise in the demand for CIOs and similar roles? Well, I think, as mentioned before, I think it was one of the key lessons learned from projects or programs of work in health technology, that unless you had a clinical lead in those areas, it, it really, you know, you, you were in strife and, and, and it wasn't as successful as it could be. And so I think that now that, you know, the value has been demonstrated. It's one of those key roles that is part of any digital implementation, whether it's a small or a big one. You have to have a clinical leader sitting at, you know, at that deciding table that supports and acts really, um, for me, it was really as a one, uh, a sort of that translational services be between technology and the clinical world but also as a remover of roadblocks to get make sure that things were done with always the patient at the centre and patient safety as a top priority so that we could all come together into that one vision, that patient safety and, you know, the patients need to be at the centre. I think that's where we all merge in, and the same between technical programs, um, clinicians, we all have that same common vision, so I think that's where we all come together. In terms of people you've seen being successful in leading digital initiatives, are there any common experience sets and or personal qualities that are key to success? Well, I think oh, there's such a variety and there's so many people now in Australia that are doing this and we can see them as successful and leading a lot of strategies. I think the, the common denominator, to be honest, is that personal passion for using technology as a driver, but also that sense of purpose that, you know, this is what supports um, the engagement that, you know, for the clinicians, for the consumers, and for, you know, for the providers of health to come together. So um, I think those are the common denominators. It's more rather than any other particular trade. I think from a skill set, it's helpful to have an understanding of management and health service running and governance and projects as such. But if you don't have those personal drivers of, you know, the passion for this happening and, and a sense of purpose, then um, the other things I think are secondary. I think the, those personal drivers is what I've seen as common in, in successful leaders. 
Are there any particular people or is there an individual who's inspired you during your career? Oh, <laughs> I, I have many particular individuals that inspired me throughout my whole life. But look, on a personal perspective, um, my mother is a huge inspiration. My sister is a huge inspiration. My mum was, you know, she was a complete advocate of making sure that you excel at what you do and you follow your passion no matter what comes around. And then my sister is a technology evangelist who went and did a master's in artificial intelligence and it's, a, it's an amazing brain of what te technology can do in terms of knowledge management. And then, you know, my dad had the first computing centre you know, um, where we lived. And so I just find my family amazingly inspiring. On a professional perspective, I have come across so many people that are, in, are inspiring in terms of, and I think what's touched me, it's more about it going back to that passion and personal drive. And that's when, you know, you see, as I mentioned, our chief executive at, you know, who was um, Richard Royal at that time, he was so inspiring and in making things happen in a fun way in a good way and always always bringing it back to that human connection and our chief medical officer at the time was Lewis Prado who's now Epworth and he was incredibly inspiring and look I could go on endless you know list of names but but I think that when it comes to why I do it is it's back to those personal connections and my personal source of inspiration who you know who you know really where I come from just also digressing again, when you talk about these people having inspired you in your career, they obviously were leaders. What leadership style did they use that brought people on the journey? I think, um, and again, this is my personal perspective, that they were values-based leaders. So charismatic yet and stuck to their values and what was the right thing to do forged a path for others to come along in their journey. So I think what I admired in them, going back to that values-based leadership, is the integrity and that when something wasn't the right way, they would come and tell you, this is not, we're not going in this path right here and now. And you trust and build a trust in their teams that you know that if our leaders said this was not the right time, you, you had to trust that judgment and find a way to move around. So I think going back to what I feel in terms of um, leadership style that connects with me and I find inspiring, it's that values-based leadership. What are your top tips for young aspiring leaders in the sector? Well, I think first and foremost, follow your nose and your instinct in what you think is the right thing. I'm now in um, the third role that didn't exist prior to me coming to this role and I did not envision at all that there would be these type of roles. So, one, if they don't see the type of role that they want here and now, don't be discouraged because the path is there. There is there is a lot of changes coming, but truly go back to what your passion is. Because if you do find your passion, you will find your sense of purpose that will help you really ride all those challenges that come your way. Um, because there will be challenges. One of the key things, you know, I say to my 
my son who's about to enter into university, it is that you only we're only deciding where you step as a first step in your journey. Um, you never know where the road may take you. You never know where you go. And don't try to plan too much. <laughs> Just try to go with some of that flow and what's coming to you as well. Thanks, Monica. That's brilliant. Are there any questions that you think we should be asking, you know, about your experience or the space that other people would be interested to well, know that I haven't think, asked? Yeah, I think the only thing now that it's, it's I think with COVID times, technology and healthcare um, have really emerged as to the forefront. And I think it's helped bust a lot of myths of what we could do and what we couldn't do and what was possible. So I think technology can provide a lot of possibilities. It's around making sure that, you know, um, it's fit for purpose and that we bring it along. Um, I think the most underutilised resource in healthcare is our consumer and technology and COVID has helped to bring that to the front to make sure that we have our consumers, our carers and our patients engaged and able to access information so that they can actually stay healthy and help look after their families. So I think technology has helped with that, connect care teams to consumers, try and what was before a, a sort of a cutting edge sort of practice, it's now become, I think, mainstream. I hope it's here to stay because at this point in time, what we hear is that consumers are really thankful and, and really using the technology and want it to stay. So that would be my only thing that I would add. Thank you. Oh, I've lost. Oh, there I am. Uh, yeah, that's great. Thank you. I really appreciate that.